strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Dun, dun, dun. That is where we are going to start today. Lou is over there. Hello. I'm over here, and we are here to tell you that wolves need to be shot. I'm, I'm, I'm for that. <laughs> I'm definitely for that. All right. What in the world are we talking about? Well, we are talking a little bit about ecclesiology today. That's going to be our anchor point, more than likely. I'm warning you now, it's going to be a day. We're we, we going to have fun today. But before we do any of that, right. as with everything else, we must have an anchor for the storm, a firm foundation that is not sinking sand. So we want to establish what it is we're doing and why it is we're doing it. So what I started off reading you was Ephesians chapter 6. Now, Granted, you want some context, so go read Ephesians. It will do you good. But in a nutshell, based on everything Paul has told you in this book, the blessings of salvation in chapter 1, the unilateral work of God in salvation in chapter 2, the understanding of right relationships and how this gospel living works itself out in stewardship in chapter 3, the unity of the church and the effect of spiritual gifts and how the church functions in chapter 4, and then the practical applications in chapter 5, so marriage relationships, <coughs> excuse me, not walking as the pagans walk, being an imitator of Christ as opposed to an imitator of the world. In light of all of that, why? Now you enter into the ending part of chapter 6 that I just read. So be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That, yes, yes, we want this, right? This is where as Christians we want to stand. I don't want to stand in my strength, I want to stand in God's strength, as Paul points out in one of the Corinthians, read Corinthians, it'll do you good. When I am weak, then I am strong, because my weakness is a reflection of God's power. I cannot, he can. So I wish to be strong in the strength of his might, not my own. So put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Woo! We get a coat of armor, laddies! Right. That's bad Scottish right there for you, but it'll be all right. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Always remember, the person you are dealing with is not the enemy. They may be the means, they may be the vehicle of the enemy, mm -hmm. but they themselves are not the enemy. I know it feels like they're the enemy, but they're not the enemy. We always go after the heart. We are always seeking to change hearts, then minds, in that order. Because what changes the minds of men? The change of heart. What changes the hearts of men? God and God alone. So, what is this armor, you may ask yourself? Well, take up the full armor of God, so that you'll be able to resist, the resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. 
Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Sounds like a bad comic book line right there. Mm -hmm. Superman standing on the building, you know, cape flowing. I have girded my loins with truth. (laughs) So that's what that looks like. (laughs) Yeah. So that's now you know. So you wear your underwear outside your pants. Isn't that what Superman did? Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what he did. No, that's not what we're talking about. Okay. This is one of those Bible things. This is where the NASB kind of makes me laugh a little bit sometimes because I love the NASB because it is such a pain in the rear end to read sometimes. And the reason it's a pain in the rear end to read is because it doesn't it doesn't try to help you any more than absolutely positively necessary. So, like my uh, my favorite my favorite place you'll see this is in the, in the Old Testament is Job. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, chapter after chapter of everybody complaining about God and everybody yelling at Job and the whole nine yards. And then Job goes on this long lament, and after a while, you're kind of sick of hearing him talk. And then God shows up and tells him to gird up your loins like a man, and I will question and you will answer. Well, literally, what that means is put your belt on. So that when you take off running or have to go fight somebody, you don't have things flapping around. They shouldn't be flapping around. There's a visual for you. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. In other words, put your pants on. It's time to do some work. Yeah. Same thing here. Right. Put your pants on, Christian. Well, how do I do that? By standing in the truth. Hmm. I have a question. What is truth? God is truth. Yes, as Jesus said, my word is truth. Your yeah. word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Yeah. God is truth. How do we know what God is? He has revealed himself in his word. Right. So build the foundation of your life. First thing you do before you go run outside is what? Like, house is burning down around you. What do you grab? You put some pants on before you run out the door if you can, right? If you can. If you can. If you can. Yeah. Well, in this situation, I'm preparing to go into battle. You know what that probably starts with? Putting your pants on. Hurting yourself, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, these the things that are just we're getting ready to read, all of them come from Isaiah. Mm-hmm. You know, Isaiah 11, uh, 52 and 59, you know, chapters 52, chapters yeah. 59. Um, Redemption chapters, by the way. Right, and and they all are, um, I mean, it, when, you, when you get a vision of somebody putting on the armor, I think we almost always go to like a Roman centurion, and in his armor and all that, but w- when you read the context of Isaiah, you're, they're talking about the Lord of Hosts mm-hmm. and 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 the way that He has girded Himself up, and, and I think it also is reminiscent to us taking on the uh, our walking in the image of God. I mean, He's clothed us with all of these things in the heavenly and places. He His word is truth because He is truth, in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. There is right. no darkness. So you prep by let's stand. In the truth, stand upon the word. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, that'd be a good thing to start with, right? In other words, okay, what's a breastplate supposed to do? Let's cover this easily. It's to protect your chest. Keep you from getting stabbed in the in the (laughs) in the the, the chest cavity, you know? Right. All right. So, what Christian? What guards your heart? I mean, yeah, that's so practical. What guards your heart? The Word of God. And it guards it how? In righteousness. Now, stop and realize that. How, Christian, pray tell, dost thou, we'll, we'll quote King Jimmy here, how dost thou putteth on thy righteousness? Do you wake up in the morning and be like, ooh, I have my righteous pants? I mean, maybe if you're 14 in like 1997 in Southern California, righteous! You're, you're, you're a ninja turtle or something. Yeah. But no, you don't have your righteous pants. Your righteousness is found where, Christian? In Christ. It is alien to you. It is natural to God. Therefore, his righteousness is imputed. So by standing and girding thyself in truth, 
your heart is guarded by righteousness, which is not yours, but is yours in Christ. Guarded in the Holy Spirit, sanctified in your walking. You know the drill. See how this comes together? Absolutely. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Okay, so these are your boots. In other words, let's go back to the point I made a minute ago. They are not the enemy. They may be the vehicle of the enemy, but they are not the enemy. How do you win the argument? By changing their heart, which means the message that we carry, the road that we travel is the road of the gospel message. Absolutely. I don't bludgeon you about the head, although I would like to some days. Well, that's your favorite verse. It is my favorite verse. verse. Unless it's with a hardcover, big, heavy Bible. And, and even in, then, when in doubt, what? yeah, when in doubt, get a bigger Bible. <laughs> and when you don't know if it's big enough, get a bigger Bible. See, but I, I joke about that. And I joke about that all the time because I'm, I'm a violent person by nature and I, I have to, I work out my violence in joking. That way I don't work it out in Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one. That's one place where your t- patience will be tried. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which is why I don't go. <laughs> I paid for patience. Pr- I prayed for patience. You say that three times fast. One time, and Walmart's been a, cr- uh, a crackhead disaster ever since. So, yeah, never go to Walmart with me. You think I'm kidding? No, no, Random I get people it. just like walk up to me and start trying to hand me things and talk to me. My wife, my wife abandons me. She's eight aisles over because some person has just like grabbed a hold of my arm and won't let go. And it's like I didn't do it. Like, I'm the most antisocial person on the planet. I don't look like anyone should want to talk to me, and yet. They do. And yet. Drives me insane. But anyway, <laughs> therefore, I'm a yeah, hermit. <laughs> I never go anywhere where, you know, <laughs> I, I know somebody everywhere I go, so I'm like that too. But for all the opposite reasons, because I'm not that way, I'm very open and sociable. My wife is a social butterfly. Nobody talks to her. Me, hiding in the corner, looking like I want to anger, you know, I want to strangle half the room. Let's well, you go know, talk to how, that that's guy. That's how it works. I I'm mean, like, him. if you're in class and they're asking questions and you're shrieking down in your seat and trying not to be seen, they call you right away. It's the same thing. You look like you don't know any. You look like you want to be left alone and don't talk, want to talk to anybody. Come, let me have a conversation. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Leave me alone. So what's the cure for all of this? Preach the gospel. Exactly. Change <laughs> their hearts and minds. And I'm serious. In life, I'm, I mean, in all, in all honesty, I joke about, you know, when in doubt, smack my head with a bigger Bible. But rhetorically, that's what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be physically, like, don't run down the aisles of Walmart with a King James Bible, like, beating people upside the head. Right. If you do, have someone else film it. I want to see the video. But... The way you should be doing that is rhetorically. Mm -hmm. You should be bringing everything back to submission to Christ. Why do you do what you do? Why is what the world doing, what they're doing, wrong? By what standard? The standard that is the truth, that guards our heart, that changes their minds, which is the message that we bring. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's not a new idea. Right. Not even a little bit. Nope. Peter talks about this. The devil is like a, uh, was it a roaring lion prowling about seeking someone to devour? Resist him firm in the faith and he will flee from you. Same idea here. As I'm grounded in the truth of who God is and what he has done, as my heart is guarded by the righteousness that is in me because of the work of Christ, as I carry the message of the gospel and I walk within it, the accusation from the enemy is null and void because I am righteous in the sight of God because of the work of Christ and because my faith and trust in God is what carries me forward. Not my work, his work, my trusting 
relying and leaning upon him. Therefore, when the accusation comes, which is what his little flaming arrows are, they land nowhere because all they encounter is my faith. You're no good. I know that. You're a failure. I know that. You're a sinner. I got it. I'm not relying on my works. I'm relying on Christ's works. Therefore, the accusations land nowhere. They just fall to the ground empty because that's what they are. They are empty. And finally, take the helmet of salvation. I'm sorry, I better not say finally. We'll pause right there. Take the helmet of salvation. Christian, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember when I said they're not the enemy? You change their mind by changing their heart. Mm -hmm. What renews your mind? The knowledge of Christ and all that he is and all that he has done. The helmet of salvation. What protects your brain? God. His work. His sanctifying accomplishment. His girding in carrying you forward is what renews your mind because your heart is guarded, because your will is now surrendered in faith. Therefore, your mind is transformed. You used to see through a mirror darkly. Mm. Now you see clearly because you see in light of the work of Christ. Yeah, it changes your perspective. And that's exactly what we're talking about. You have to. I mean, because you wake up, you go to work or whatever, and uh, you look around you, you, all you see is darkness around you. And in Christ, though, he, he is the light. And, and we're there, to emulate that light. And therefore, we walk faithfully. Right. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Ooh, finally. Yeah, finally, we get some We got a weapon. Um, we got an offensive weapon. Everything here. else is protecting me, but now I get to wield a weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Right. Um, this is a direct fulfillment of what Christ promised. They'll arrest you. They'll bring you before governors and kings and magistrates and all that good stuff. Do not worry about what you will say. The Spirit will move. The Spirit will teach you. The Spirit will bring to remembrance all that you need, and you will testify. And that message will go forth through all of his people to the ends of the earth. You ever notice how it will bring back to remembrance? It's a little pet peeve of mine. <laughs> you know, I, I come from different walks of faith that are charismatic and Pentecostal and all that stuff. And, and there's the idea that the Holy Spirit will uh, uh, feed you knowledge of the Scriptures without you having studied the Scriptures. Yeah, that's basically. not how this works. That's, that's not how, how any of this works. It says, I will bring this into remembrance. And every time you see a confrontation, like in the book of Acts, they're reaccounting in large portions of, 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 you know, the Exodus and all of these things and reaccounting the history of their people. Um, so, it, you know, it, it kind of uh, um, goes without saying that you have to study the Word of God, and when you get in these situations, God will, through His Spirit, move you to speak, and the things that you that are coming out of your mouth will be things that He wrote down in a book somewhere. That would be the general idea, and that's what the Spirit is about. Again, the Word is the weapon that we wield. This comes back to our, my, my original point. They're not the enemy. They may be the vehicle of the enemy, but they are not the enemy. How do I defeat them? By changing their heart. How do I change their heart? By proclaiming the gospel. How do I know what the gospel is? They wrote it in a book. Mm-hmm. How do I know what's in the book? I read the book. The spirit then wields the weapon. The heart is changed. They are girded, and the whole process begins anew again. Absolutely. Now, this matters for understanding how and why you walk in the world the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Anything in here leads you to believe that you should be anything other than gods. Right. Because I, I don't find it there. 
anything in this anywhere that leads you to believe that your focus should be anything other than his eternal kingdom and his eternal glory. Because I'm not finding it if there is. So did I miss something? Well, no. And I think you said something really important in the beginning um, in in that you talk talk about walking, be strong in the Lord. Mm -hmm. The the Greek word behind that, it it, kind of talks about being made strong by who? And it says here, in the Lord. Power is perfected in weakness. Right. So... Our strength is not our own. Our armor is not our own. Uh, the gospel is not our own. Everything, it's an alien righteousness that has been imputed to us, like you said. And, and it's important that we walk in faith and wield the sword of truth, you know, and we, we, we have the armor. I mean, we, we cannot do battle. We cannot stand. I mean, in, in, in this passage alone, there are four places that, that he says stand. You know, in Ephesians 6.11... Uh, a couple times in 13 and once in 14. We're holding the line. This, this battle that we're in, it's not going to end until God returns. And until then, we need to hold the line. And that's, and again, this is why I said go, you know, and I'm serious about this. Read for homework. Read Ephesians. It will do you good. Go back to verse four. Now go back to chapter four. Mm-hmm. A prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Mm-hmm. Later on in the same chapter, I say this and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Chapter 5, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. In other words, this is a Christian living out. And you live out in the world around you as a child of God. No longer walking as the pagans walk in chapter 4. No longer feeding the lusts of your flesh, chapter 5, but walking in Christ-likeness because anything else is to avoid this armor, in which case everything is undone. I mean, you can go charging into battle with a sword and no helmet and breastplate. You know what's going to happen to you? (laughs) You're going to get your head taken off probably. Likewise, you can go charging into battle with a sword and a breastplate and a shield, and you know what's probably going to happen to you? He's going to bludgeon you. Because you can't fight back. So you can't leave any of this behind. This is a constructed Christian life, and it's built upon all of what God has revealed, not some of it. Which means you can't ignore the faithful aspects. You can't, as James would warn you, you can't walk around doubting every five seconds and then wonder why I don't have any strength. Well, because you're not plugged into your power source. And you can't walk around faithless all the time and wonder why the accusations keep landing right between my eyes. Yeah, for sure. Well, because you're trying to walk in your righteousness, not his. You're focusing on your sin and not his accomplishment. Now, why do we care about this? Yeah, this is going to be Well, easy. because, well, and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to catch you because I, because I want to, there's a specific place I want to start, and I think it's important, okay? Okay. Ah, do you have your papers? <laughs> <laughs> if you do not have your papers, maybe you need to spend a little time in the cooler, and then you will produce the papers. Produce those papers. Produce the papers. Anyway, Lehigh University professor of religious studies and university chaplain. Can you fit that on a business card? Man, I tell you, that's a lot of, a lot of real estate on a card. That's Lloyd Steffen has written an opinion piece. Ooh. In which he contends that getting vaccinated against COVID-19 
is a citizenship obligation, and that those who duck their duty should face some sort of obligatory alternative. And it floored me when I read that. Stefan wrote that those who refuse vaccination should be viewed as owing a debt of obligation to society. What needs to be thought through are the ways the unvaccinated can meet this obligation. All right, time out, time out. Because I know you are just like chomping at the bit over there. Mm-hmm. All right, first, <clears throat> I'll lay down some ground rules. Lou's <laughs> yeah. like, no, no. <laughs> I don't care where you fall on the vaccination. Right. Spectrum, okay? I, I don't care. Right. I, I don't care if you were like, I am on my 75th booster, and I'm fine. I, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I better not say that a lot. Don't give him any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go from annual shots to weekly shots. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't care. Not my concern, okay? I don't care if you think the vaccine is the mark of the beast, and you and your Jimmy Swagger box of food are, you know, hoarding in the basement trying to make sure that when the apocalypse comes, you can make it through the seven years of tribulation. He's got box food? You haven't seen that? No. Yeah, is it like Jimmy the, Swagger? Isn't it Jimmy Swagger? Or yeah. is it, um, what's his name? What's the other one? Jim Baker. It's Baker. Baker. Yeah, it's Baker. Jim Baker. Okay. He's got the buckets. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's got the yeah, food I've buckets. Seen, I've seen yeah, Baker. <laughs> Sorry. Does it really matter? Uh, I just grew up listening to Swagger. My family liked Jimmy to Swagger. To quote the great prophet Dwayne Johnson, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. I mean, six of one, half a dozen. I, the I'm other, like right? a dog. You, know, you said a squirrel, and I'm, I'm like. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there with your beef jerky and your bucket of food, and you're like, all right, we're on year two and a half of the Tribulation 7, and you know, you're waiting for Kirk Cameron to land and join you up to the Tribulation Force. I'm not worried about it, okay? I don't care. What I do care about is Christian. Of what kingdom are you a citizen? Okay? Yeah, yeah. So, let's, let's, we're going to put Lou on the spot here. All right. You ready? Go ahead. I want you to tell me what word in this two-sentence paragraph you think drives me the most nuts. Okay? I'm going to read it again. Okay. Stefan wrote, that those who refuse vaccination should be viewed as owing a debt of obligation to society. And what needs to be thought through are the ways the unvaccinated can meet this obligation. Obligation to society? There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian? Well, that was a good guess, huh? Why do you have your feet shod with the gospel of peace? Why are you girded with the belt of faith? Why are you wearing a breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, and carrying a sword of the Spirit? Why are you dressed in such a weird manner. Now stop for a second. I'm serious about this. Answer that question for yourself. Let me give you a second. So you good? You got it. You got it figured out now. Okay. This is important because if you don't, you will read that and be like, you know, that's not a bad idea because we are part of a greater society. And we need to strive to live amongst our fellow humans. You know, kumbaya, my people, pass me a Coke. I mean, I mean, however, it, you know, you have a Coke and a smile and you enjoy the world and you teach. What was that? So you teach the world to sing or something like that? Are you channeling Eddie Murphy? I am. Okay. I am. I am channeling my energy. You. Sorry. <laughs> That's funny. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're, you're a better person than I am. For sure. Don't find out what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay? for sure. All Sorry, right. I brought that no, up. It's, it's okay. 
I, I bring this up for a reason. The reason why you are dressed like such a weirdo in the modern world, according to Ephesians 6, is because you are not a good citizen in the world. It is because you are specifically a good citizen in an eternal kingdom that is at war against the rulers and principalities that run this present world. Yeah, you need to pause for a minute. Let's think about that. We are in a battle. This is important, Christian. This is why I said again, they are not the enemy. They are a vehicle of the enemy, but they are not the enemy. But behind them, their understanding of the universe, their rationale for the voodoo that they do to you, you like that, huh? Mm-hmm. Their rationale for all of those things is guarded and guided by the one who is the enemy. And it is with him that we have the fight. Now, here's the problem, okay? Pick your conflict. So, pick your conflict. Throughout human history, very few nations have been capable of fielding large armies just by, with their own population. Like the Carthaginians struggled with this, the Romans struggled with this, the Greeks, you know, at various points in their lives struggled with this. So you know what they did? They would conscript people. I mean, this was a thing up until like the 18th, 19th century. If you were just like, let's just say it's, um, this, was, this is the War of 1812, you ready? If it's like 1809 and you're an American and you still have your British accent because, you know, that's what you do— and you're just kind of cruising along the waters off of New England, and you run into a British naval ship, they'd be like, hey, we're short a couple of soldiers. You're an English citizen. Come on board. We're pressing you into service. Because we needed the people. Right. And a way, I mean, this is just what's happened. Now, let's just say you've been pressed into service. Are you thrilled about your existence now? Like, you were planning on going home next week, you know? You were right. done with your little jaunt, and now you're, you're working on this British naval vessel, and while you're sailing along, you know, you're not really thrilled with the uh, British captain, and you don't really care about the British king who he answers to. But on the horizon are some Spanish ships, and they start lobbing cannonballs at you. Do you have a fight with the Spaniards? No, not, no, <laughs> probably not. You're going to load the cannon and shoot back? Absolutely. Why? Because I'm interested in my life, and mm. while, my fi- while I don't hate you, I now have a beef with you because you've got a beef with me. Christian, welcome to your understanding of the rest of humanity. You may not have a beef with them, but they don't answer to the same God you do. Well, one of the issues that I have with this, you know, your obligation to society, who are we obliged to? This is my point. Right. I mean, I mean that whole, that, those, those two sentences— I mean, for the church to be saying that? This is my entire point. I don't have beef with the world, but the world has beef with me because I won't walk according to their pagan small g god. Right. Now, now, do I have beef with the power behind them? Of course. Yes. But, but the whole premise of loving your neighbor is, is this is how you demonstrate that you love God when you love your neighbor. This, this is the whole thing. I mean, Christ talked about loving your neighbor as yourself. We... We have an obligation to God to do these things, not to the societies that we live in, but to God and his higher law. And this is what gets lost in a pagan worldview. Right. right. Is what ends up becoming what ends up becoming God in the pagan worldview. You do. I mean and beca- society. I mean people And society money. is and society is run by what? In a pagan worldview. Government. 
government. Yeah. That's why True. Mr. Stefan can continue. Whatever options might be considered, the focus should be on the fact that vaccination is a citizenship obligation, which persons should accept not only for their own well-being, but for that of others. In other words, you need to do this because it's good for you. Well, what if I'm not doing it because it's good for me? Well, not and just again, for you, no. but for other but, citizens but around you. But isn't... That's what they're saying. But the fundamental argument there is, what if I'm not doing this because doing this is not good for me? Right. Is that not allowed? No, because now my higher calling is to be a good citizen for the world. Right, right. The plea for vaccination exemption should be met with a mandatory option for alternative service, some burden comparable to that accepted by conscientious objectors who refused military service, he opined. In other words, you have to prove that your allegiance to something higher than our small g-god is worthwhile. Christian, this is why you have to understand where you stand and why you stand there. Because the world is just going to look at you and say, it's just a pinch of incense. Yep. It's just just a little pinch and a couple of words, and it doesn't really matter, and it's not really going to hurt anything, and nobody's really going to care. And at no point in any of that do they go, well, if it's such a small deal and nobody cares, then why is it such a big deal that I do it? Right, right. See, that's the thing that never gets asked. When I was uh, studying worldviews in, in school, we came, you know, came across some stuff in his Islamic worldview and Sharia, and the Jizya attacks, and the fact that if you're not a, quote-unquote, a Muslim, and you're a Christian, you're a second-class citizen, and you don't have the same rights as people, and you have to pay this tax, yeah. this Jizya. Mm -hmm. That's what this sounds like to me. This is some a, a very touchy subject with me. He also suggested that if hospitals were to run out of space, they could boot the unvaccinated from beds in order to make room for the vaccinated. So in other words, you need to be compassionate. You need to set aside your feelings and your understandings to do what's best for the good of everyone. And in return, if you don't, we won't. So how is that, how <laughs> yeah. is that demonstrating love for neighbor? In other words, you need to be compassionate and get vaccinated or else we don't have to be compassionate. You're, yeah, right. You're at a hospital. You're there for a broken leg. You got into a car accident. You get a room, and now you got to give it up because you don't have a vaccine, and somebody else came in that needs a room, and maybe they, they did the same thing. They're in a car accident. They got a broken leg, too. Now you got to give up your, room, your, your seat, your bed. What's going on here? More difficult options might include hospital triage policies that would allow a vaccinated individual to take the bed of a non-vaccinated individual if there were no more beds available. This might meet a test of fairness, but it would be excruciating for healthcare workers to enact such a triage policy. Such options should be discussed, however, and the discussions themselves might inspire vaccination increases since they dramatically highlight the seriousness of the pandemic, Stefan wrote. In other words... If we take this seriously enough, we might be able to scare you into going along with everything that we're doing. Coercion never works like that. In other words, it makes it worse. forget the feet shod with peace in the gospel. Forget a breastplate of righteousness. Forget the girding of truth. Forget your helmet of salvation. Put down your shield of faith. Sheath your sword of the Spirit and just do like everybody else. Hmm. It's what defines being a good person in a civilized world. 
that, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly why wolves need to be shot. Because this is a wolf. He has grounded his citizenship, not in heaven, not in an eternal kingdom, but on this world, in a temporal republic, and hoped against hope that his good works are righteous in the sight of whatever God it is that he prays to, because it is not the God of Scripture. Mm -hmm. I'll say. It is not a faith grounded in anything that God has done. It is merely government talking point wrapped in a Christian propaganda with a Bible verse slapped on it here and there. To, and, and here's the best part. They didn't even have the common decency to slap a Bible verse on it. Yeah, I went and found the article and read it. It, it didn't have no. any mention of the gospel, any kind of scripture quotations, nothing that, because he knows it's baseless. His, his, his points are baseless. They are nothing more well, than talking points. They're baseless when your worldview is grounded upon scripture and in God. They are awesomely grounded if you are like the rest of the world and your feet are firmly planted in midair. <laughs> firmly planted in midair. Yes, because that that's... possible? The, the, your, your, <laughs> the mental gymnastics, rather, the spiritual gymnastics. And that's where I give this guy some credit. You know what? H- hate the game, not the player. This guy gets some credit here. He didn't try to do any biblical yoga or any hermeneutical gymnastics. He didn't torture a Bible verse and twist it and contort it until it screamed out in pain. He just ignored it completely. He did not attempt to make a biblical argument. He attempted to make an argument that appeals to your conscience. He attempted to make an argument that appeals to your good nature, Christian. Now, you may ask yourself, how did he do that? Why is it they keep appealing to my good nature? Because they know you have one. Because they know you're wearing a breastplate of righteousness. They know you seek to do what is peaceable in the world. You seek to live at peace with all men as much as you can. So why am I going to argue with a Bible verse? I'm just going to appeal to that conscience you have and hope that I can twist it and contort it enough so that you will just go along with what we do. In other words, I'm going to sit there and look at you and go, did God really say? Mm, one of the oldest come at you, you know, from, from the scriptures. That's and, how Satan comes at you. And it works. Yeah. And it works against Christians because we spend so much time in the world. And look. I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm not telling you how to spend your time. I'm not telling you what to watch and what to think through. But I am telling you that you should spend your time, that what you watch and what you think about needs to be run through the grid of the sword, okay? It needs to be run through the grid of Scripture. Because if it's not, your worldview gets overfed by the world, and it doesn't actually recognize the poison that is being slipped in at the same time. Am I making sense here, Christian? I hope I am. Because this is, the way, this is why this attack has any value, is it looks at you and goes, well, don't you want to be thought of as a good person? Hmm. Don't you want to be thought of as a good citizen? Don't you want everybody to think well of you and talk about you? And we look at as Christians and we go, mm-hmm. well, yeah, yes, we do. We, we want to be good citizens. We want to be peaceable. We want to be liked. We want all of those things. But I do not want those things at the expense of gospel truth at the expense of biblical fidelity. I do not desire those things above obedience to Christ and followership of God. I do not want those things in superseding fashion to the good things that the gospel demands. And we twist that too often. We're like, well, you know, we need a good reputation in the world. Well, when you compromise like this, where does it end? Where's the next well, compromise? It, it it's right around the corner. It does it, and this is this is my this has been my argument for years. 
is this is why Christians make terrible politicians. And yes, I said that out loud. Yeah. Because politics by nature is what? It's a series of compromise. The Christian calling by nature is what? To never compromise. Right. I can't compromise. Right, right. So, and especially, especially with the world the way that it's structured now, there's no, there's no basis for compromise. I can't give you anything because my worldview won't allow it. Now, you can call that whatever you want. I call it biblical faithfulness. But this becomes the problem is we desire peace and we desire cooperation, but they don't desire to give anything, which means what did you just do when you have peace and cooperation? You had to give something. You had to surrender something. And the more you surrender and the more – again, nobody runs headfirst to Sodom and Gomorrah. You kind of drift into it. Right. You kind of just eh, – it's okay. Do, we, do I really want to have this fight? Do I really want to have this argument? Eh, it's not that bad. You know, what ends up happening is you – it's just not that bad yourself into total depravity of every shape, form, and fashion. And that's what the modern world has attempted to do. What this article is attempting to do is to sit you in the muck and the mire of the modern world and go, don't you want all of these dirty, filthy, rotten pagans to think you're a good person? And the temptation for the Christian is, well, yeah, I do, because I want to preach the gospel, and I want them to listen to me, and I want to have influence, and I want to have an opportunity to proclaim to them, and I want them to pay attention to me, and I want them to take me seriously. Christian. You have to be comfortable with what this, what I'm about to say next, okay? Okay, lay it on us. When they sit you in the muck and the mire, and they look around and say, don't you want all these dirty, filthy pagans to think well of you? You have to be willing to say, no. No, no I don't. I, I, I want them to hate me. I want them to rage against me because I am continually pointing out that I am not in your swamp, and you stink. I want you to dislike me because I am walking in faithfulness, and it is a constant reminder to you that you are not. Mm -hmm. And I want you to bring accusations that make no sense. He's too nice. He told me I'm sinning. Did you say he was sinning? Yes. What makes you so perfect? Nothing. I sin too. But my righteousness is Christ. My hope is in God's eternal kingdom. Well, you need to live more in our world. No. 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 Yeah. yeah, we've been called out of that. And that's where we have to be more comfortable. I didn't tell you to be a jerk. Yeah. I didn't tell you to walk around with a chip on your shoulder. Don't be me at Walmart, okay? And even me at Walmart is not mean to people. The reason why it's so aggravating is because when that random crazy person I don't want to talk to starts talking to me, I'm stuck talking to them. <laughs> Which, for an introvert like me, is a fate worse than death. And I want to tell them to leave me alone and run screaming from the room, but I don't. Because I'm not a jerk. Yeah. Well, at least not one outwardly. <laughs> That's why I tell you all the time, I'm not judging you out loud. <laughs> <laughs> because I can proclaim truth in love. And I can point out the iniquity of the world in kindness. And that's the line that we walk. But at no point is that line ever going to bring me to the place where, okay, I'll do this if you'll do that. Or I'll do this because you demand that. Yeah, when, we, when we get to that place, yeah, we've lost. Yeah, we've already lost. See, 
And that's why we need to fight fight back when things like this happen with yes. with the implements that God has given us. Yes. Not with rage and fury and and obscenities or whatever it is that you 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 tend to do when you get angry, but with faith and with the full armor of God. Recognizing that it is Christ who lives, the spirit who works, the word that endures and me who believes. Mm. Me who trusts. Right. And that's all I've got. Right. And I can't walk with the world, and the world can't walk with me unless they accept God's terms. And the only way they do that is in faithful proclamation. This is where the battle lies. And the reason reason why this is so important is because a lot of people are going to get hung up on, oh, this vaccination, and then you, you go rail on the vaccination. And look, I got an opinion on it. Lou's got an opinion on it. You can probably tell what it is. <laughs> Sorry. Again, to I'm quote. Transparent, it's I? okay. I'm not worried about it. To quote again the great prophet Dwayne Johnson, it doesn't matter. What matters is Christian. Where you fall on a vaccine, why do you fall there? If you're on booster 75, are you being boosted 75 times unto the glory of God? If you're not, you know what you need to do? You need to work on that. Right. If you're, you know, sitting with your Jimmy Baker, you know, bucket of food and, and, you know, tribulation force t-shirt, are you doing that to the glory of God? If you're not, you need to take care of that. And wherever it is you fall in between, can you explain it based on the sword of the spirit? Can you, can you trust it based on the breastplate of righteousness? And can you proclaim it based on the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation? If you're not grounded there, well, then you know what? You just found out, Christian, that you got some work to do. Welcome to the planet. We all got some work to do. Get this figured out so that as you stand, you stand in his kingdom, walking contrary to the world. Not because you want to be a jerk, but because the world is walking contrary to you. Always remember this. We we want to uh, we want to have the Reagan quote. Oh, well, Ronnie, why'd you become a Republican? Why'd you leave the Democratic Party? What did he tell him? I didn't leave the Democratic Party. I left him. Democratic Party left me. Yeah. Why do you walk so contrary to the world? Why don't you follow us? Why'd you walk away from us? I didn't walk away from you guys. You walked away from me. Mm. You followed your own sin while I begged and pleaded with you not to. I stood firm. You wandered off after every wind and wave of doctrine. Your anchor broke. Mine helped. That's the difference. Now, long term, are we walking in opposite directions? Yes. But only because they're unwilling to submit to God. Only because they're unwilling to trust in him and follow after him. That's the warning we have to be willing to deliver. And it can only be done if we are grounded rightly in who God is, what we are in light of that, and what he has done about those things. And if you find yourself walking in that opposite direction, that just shows that you have enmity in your heart for God and his, his precepts. That, that, that should be very sobering if, you're, if you call yourself, if you name the name of Christ. Turn around, repent, turn back to God. And when you find the wolves, shoot them. Yeah. Why? Well, because what have we learned here today, children? <laughs> we are at war. We are. When you find the enemy, I hate to tell you this, but you got to shoot the enemy. Right. Our community is not aimed at this world. Christian, we are not of this world. 
We are of a different kingdom. Our citizenship is in heaven. And the world will not take no for an answer. They will not give you quarter. They will not give you peace. They will demand everything from you. Christian, guard your heart. Stand faithfully. Trust in the one who is faithful even unto death, who after death can redeem the soul and can bring you to an eternal peace. Read Ephesians. It'll do you good. And until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.